even if you're not specifically being like, I'm trying to change from, you know, accounting to software development, we are always in a career change because everything's always evolving. And I just posted about this on Instagram because Natasha had said that to me. Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in New York City. So excited for this podcast conversation with Cynthia Pong. I'm grateful for Ryan Mita for introducing us. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan and I met through Cave Day, so special shout out to Cave Day as well. Cynthia used to be Ryan's coach. Cynthia is a career strategist and is the author of Don't Stay in Your Lane that was published in the summer of 2020. She's also been named one of LinkedIn's top voices. In this episode, you'll learn about her unexpected and iterative journey to becoming a coach, different services and offerings that she has uh, experimented with and is currently uses. She was a public defender for six years. And so for her transition from there to being a coach um, is really a fascinating story. We also talk about negotiating tips uh, for uh, career discussions and so much more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can also subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes job opportunities and more. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Cynthia. Uh, Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, I first want to say thanks to your uh, former client, uh, Ryan, who introduced us. And, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of times it's hard to kind of grow a business. It's hard to uh, you know, we say word of mouth is the most important thing. And mm-hmm. uh, this is a perfect example of a word of mouth uh, client of yours mentioning that I should hopefully have the honor of interviewing you on the <laughs> podcast. So here we are. I want to say thanks to Ryan. And uh, yes. that's uh, an amazing way to grow a coaching business, huh? I know. And, you know, also a podcast because I then found out about your podcast through Ryan. So thank you, Ryan, indeed. I think, yeah, like we could talk all about the value of networking and super connectors and people like that who are thinking about how to create win-win-win situations or add value to people and help lift everybody. Like we can get really cheesy and talk about that stuff if you want, but might be far afield. Is there maybe an example besides Ryan of somebody else that's really stood out to you that, or somebody that does a really good job of building relationships and creating win-win opportunities? Yeah, I have a colleague who also is a former lawyer like me. We went to law school together, but I didn't meet her until we were both alums at some kind of alum event. And somebody that we both knew introduced us. And then Nikki, my friend, and I became friends at that point. But she's who I think of when I think of a super connector because she is super extroverted, which I am not, although I still like facilitate connections in my own way, but she's very extroverted. She knows a ton of people. And I feel like in the background of her mind is always something running about like, oh, who should I introduce this person to? Or like, who can I connect to them to help both this person and, you know, someone else that I know. And that has allowed her to, you know, she, she runs her own business now as a real estate agent and she's run it very successfully. Uh, And I think that she would say too, that the super connector thing that she does has been a huge part of that. And so the takeaway there is looking for uh, win-win opportunities and always just thinking about helping people. Yeah, I I think it is that, I mean, I will say a bit of a caveat, which is that 
know that sometimes people that you think of introducing on either end like don't have capacity for that um so be sensitive to to like is this like what I guess what I'm trying to say is don't just go out and try to be like all right I'm going to try to connect as many people as possible in my network <laughs> you know like you can be a little discerning about it and think about who really is looking for this right now rather than just going for like quantity you know because that can just become a burden on people too like I'm sure you have received many many requests for things like oh wanted to connect you to so and so and like if you imagine you are having a particularly busy week like that's something that can just put you over the edge yeah <laughs> I don't know if any of this rings true to you <laughs> opting in and and stuff like that but it can also yes. create a lot of serendipity and 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 magic and stuff and we kind of live in that uh, world right now where it's a little bit harder to find serendipity it's harder to find those weak ties that turn into amazing relationships and yeah uh, i often think about this idea of like being one email away from you know a new client a new partnership a new collaborator um, yeah has there been any examples of kind of one email that's really made like an impact in some of your work oh wow i guess I'll say this, this is, this is a little more involved than like one email, but you could always trace it back to that initial point of contact, I suppose. Years ago, I was looking for someone to help me with my, build my Instagram account because I didn't know what I was doing on there at all. Uh, and I realized that I just couldn't do it on my own. So I looked on a, some community Slack group, sent out a, a thing that was like, hey, I'm looking to hire like a hiring posting for a social media manager. And through that process, I ended up hiring somebody who, you know, is an artist and a freelancer, but also then wrote for a major online publication. And because I had hired her and worked with her a long time, she got to know my work. Later on, after we weren't even working together, she wrote a profile about me for this major online publication and that is actually the thing that like skyrocketed my business to being, you know, fully booked for clients, like really in demand for other publications. Cause you know, journalists look at who else is writing about things. Uh, and that was a major tipping point in my business. So that's one example of how something can turn into something totally different that can be pretty life-changing. And when was that? And maybe kind of, Oh, I'm bad with time. This is one thing you should know about me. Um, let's see. I might have hired her in the beginning of 2018, maybe. I don't know. It could, could have been the beginning of 2017 as well. It was the beginning of a year. <laughs> and uh, maybe like a year later was when the piece came out. Uh, maybe even like 18 months later, something like that. And she but, was just like, by the way, I want to thinking about this writing this piece and yeah mm -hmm. and people still find me from that article you know and it's been probably two years now since then uh so it's true you never know and there, there also though are tons of dead ends right like there's lots of connections that fizzle out or you know things that just fall through the cracks and that's okay too but every once in a while you do get that gem of I don't know. What was it? You said serendipity, something like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, and so you mentioned the, your coaching business has really started to take off. And I think it's really 
is really interesting to me is how you kind of coach people in a lot of different ways or you have specific tracks, uh, but it's not just one thing. Maybe talk to us a little bit about kind of like diversifying your offerings to people. Yeah. And... Yes. Uh, well, one, I mean, I'm sure you have thoughts on this too, but to, to be a, like a savvy entrepreneur, you really do want to have multiple revenue streams and if you're trying to scale your business beyond a certain point, which I'm not saying I necessarily want to go like to the max with this because I do really enjoy my one-on-one -on -one work. But what I'm trying to say is when you, when your main offering is something that's tied to your time, like your hourly rate or like one session or whatever, you can only go so far with that in terms of earning revenue, right? Cause you only have so many hours a day that you could humanly devote to that. And then you also need time for business development and all the other stuff you have to do for your business. Right. So, you know, I, I went through this process myself in my entrepreneurial journey, but I'm, you know, most entrepreneurs do like you, you just have to find a way to, to divorce your ability to earn money from your time and blocks of your time. So that's one very practical way of looking at it. But I also think like, there's just people who are, at different stages of ability to invest in their professional development, like through coaching. So a lot of people might land on my site, but they're, you know, they're not going to go from like, Oh, Googling me to like immediately wanting to commit to a eight session program with me. Right. That that's not the normal path of people. Cause usually there's some like warm up and relationship building and trust building that has to happen. And so that that's through the, other offerings, some of which are like the totally free stuff, you know, what I share on my social media accounts, my blog posts, free resources that you download. But then, you know, also thinking about a lot of people like workshops. So, you know, I have one online workshop available there now. I'm working on building another course. So there's people who like to learn in that type of way. Then there's people who really just like want to read only, right? Or people who learn better by listening. So then like all my podcasts are listed, you know, on my speaking page. So, you know, you, I do want to like reach people at different places, one for accessibility and, and two, uh, to be able to have people funnel to different revenue streams that I have. Of course, the book, which I didn't even mention, like that's obviously another big one. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think about all this stuff? I think, especially these days, I mean, you know, the podcast is called Portfolio Career Podcast. I, I believe mm -hmm. that uh, people have got more potential, uh, more opportunities than just doing one thing. And sometimes mm -hmm. it can be, you know, multiple courses, it could be multiple projects, multiple maybe jobs. Um, yeah. And we're seeing a big shift to more flexible work, more freelance work. Um, and so it's interesting to see knowledge workers also have. Yeah multiple uh things and and because you know also then comes down to like refer referrals right which a mm -hmm. little bit where we started with like how do you become known for multiple things <laughs> like mm -hmm. if someone says you should talk to cynthia she's an amazing coach and someone says well what kind of coach right well it's these three things <laughs> <laughs> yeah it i do find it's easier to explain you know when your stuff is packaged a certain way and one sort of challenge I think for early stage entrepreneurs is being able to pithily explain what it is that they do because it's hard to know at the beginning. You're in experimentation phase. You know, you really might not know, but it is worth 
experimenting with a couple of different ways of, of talking about yourself. I've changed my own title many times, you know, from at the beginning, I think I, I just said I did life and career coaching. Like how much broader could you get than that? Right. But I didn't know it was going to really be my thing. I was trying it out. And then as I learned what I was especially good at, who, who came to me, who I especially loved working with and what we enjoyed focusing on, then it became clear that it was career coaching for women of color. And then I refined it further to like being mid-career women uh, of color because, you know, I, it just wasn't my strong suit to work with people who were super early in their career, you know, so it has gone from there to become more and more refined and the niche like narrower and narrower. Um, so, you know, we're all in progress. Yeah. And, uh, so, so are, that's, does that, that's a message maybe to some of your clients too, right. Of, uh, and to people like me too, that we're always kind of changing. We're always kind of transitioning. Yeah. It's in fact, it's so funny because, uh, a colleague of mine who runs like, a Caribbean media and television platform called Delirium, uh, Natasha was just saying to me like a week or two ago, we're always in a career change. Even if you're not specifically being like, I'm trying to change from, you know, accounting to software development. We are always in a career change because everything's always evolving. And I just posted about this on Instagram because Natasha had said that to me. Uh, so it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh -huh. And going to the to uh, your law work, um, I also know that you uh, coach people with negotiation. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe talk to us a little bit about kind of bringing that prior law background into negotiation and, and uh, maybe some practical negotiation types of tips or tactics for people. Yeah. So the funny thing is that as a lawyer, I don't know how to negotiate properly at all. And I really looked at it as just trying to use brute force. I mean, not physical force, but like a brute force mentality to getting prosecutors or judges to just do what I wanted for my clients. Of course, that is not a very good, it's not a very good strategy. It's not always effective. Uh, and I would do this by, I don't know, trying to just keep asking them, you know, or um, paper them to death with motions. Uh, sometimes just like being kind of whiny and giving like a sob story about my client, like all sorts of those type of strategies. But unfortunately, I didn't learn how to negotiate more effectively until <laughs> after I had left that job. And I read this book called Never Split the Difference. Do you know of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if you subscribe to that school of negotiation thought, but that book really changed how I viewed things. And I feel like it made me a lot more of an effective negotiator. And I wish I had read it when I was a public defender, because I really probably could have been a better advocate for my clients at the time. Um, so I suppose a couple of like my favorite negotiation strategies from there are to use silence which is very hard uh, and making the conversation, like thinking about the negotiation as problem solving conversation, not like an adversarial fight um, and asking a lot of open-ended questions. And on the, the idea of an 
open-ended question. You maybe share an example of how that comes into, call it interviews or salary negotiation, client mm-hmm. negotiation. Yes. So let's say we're trying to ask for a raise and this being 2020, may feel like a daunting thing to do. I would nevertheless encourage people to still have these conversations. So let's say you're sitting there with your boss who you've, you know, is the person who can either grant or deny your, I'm already like using my defaulting to my legal language, even though it's been like five years. Uh, your boss has the, the, can make the decision as to whether you get this, this raise or not. And so you ask like, can you, can you get this raise? Right. And then let's say your boss says, Oh, there's, I'm sorry, David, there's just no budget. Um, there's no budget for it. And actually here, I was going to go one way with this and now I've decided to go a slightly different way. So I'm going to circle back, but the better opportunity there, if your boss was like, there's no budget is if you use another tactic called mirroring and you say no budget, like very even tone, neutral tone, you just repeat the one to three operative words that they just said, maybe with a slight in, in uh, like increase in your intonation or whatever to indicate its question. Um, so no budget. And then naturally they are going to, and then you use silence, right? And then they are going to fill in the silence and be like, yeah, there's no budget. Cause like, you know, our departmental budget got slashed this year cause of the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. And so you can actually continue getting them to talk by being like, oh, the departmental budget. And then they'll be like, yeah, because, you know, and they'll just like keep explaining stuff. And you can actually have a very long conversation this way by only doing that. But the example I was trying to give you before I sidetracked myself was, you know, let's say you asked for the raise and your boss is like, yeah, I'm sorry, David, we can't. So you might be tempted to be like, why? <laughs> but another tip that this Never Split the Difference book has in it is to avoid asking why because it makes people come back in a defensive way. So you can always rephrase a why though to an open-ended what or how question or a statement. So if you wanted to ask why is there no budget, you know, which can sound kind of accusatory, you could rephrase that to like, oh, what are the reasons for that? And you therefore ask this open-ended question they can answer however they want. Hopefully they give you a lot more information at that point. If not, you can use the mirroring stuff that, and silence like we were just talking about. Um, but that is a very concrete example of a open-ended question that can really uh, help move you along in your negotiation conversation. Help move you along? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like get them to talk more. <laughs> um, cool. Precisely. I love that. All right. And another thing, going back to this idea of uh, multiple revenue streams, and uh, clearly I also want to talk about your book, uh, Mm -hmm. Don't Stay in Your Lane. So talk to us a little bit about why you wanted to write the book personally, but also professionally. Yeah. So it is really both personal and professional. Uh, So I wanted to write the book because I often like recommending books to my clients as I've already done on this podcast, recommending that negotiation book, but this is very much the person that I am. So I'll be working with somebody. A lot of folks are coming to me for career change because I had done career change 
you know, successfully myself. Um, so I was like, you know, I really wish that I could give them this, an outside resource to supplement our work and it would really speed them up and, you know, or give people something to work on as they're on my wait list or like whatever. Um, so I was looking for such a book or resource. And since I specialize in working with women of color, I am always like looking with that lens and that approach. You know, first of all, there's not a ton of career change books. There are some though, uh, but the ones that do exist are very much written by and for white folks, uh, by and for, you know, white perspectives. So I found myself saying to clients like, oh, check out this book. You know, it's, it's really good but like, don't expect it to have any race or gender analysis or check out the tips in this book. Uh, but you're really going to have to like adapt them a bit to work in your workplace, like for you as a black woman, for example. And then I got tired of saying that. <laughs> so I was like, why can't I find this book that I want? You know, why doesn't it exist already? And after looking for a certain period of time, I, I had to face the music, which was that this book is not there. And if I want it to exist, I'm going to have to write it myself. So I started writing it three years ago, actually, to be that extra supplement to my clients or to people who weren't ready yet or couldn't afford, you know, my one-to-one -one coaching so that I could help them too with what I had learned. And then the last thing I'll say about this is that a lot of people also asked me about my career change story. Like, I guess, you know, it's it pretty unusual to see somebody leave uh, a field like law, which is like so highly revered or whatever, and just be like, no, I want to do something different and like work at a farmer's market for 18 months while she builds her business. Like that struck a lot of people as odd. <laughs> so people would always ask me like, oh, what happened? How's, and I was getting the same question. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I should just write this down and uh, everyone can read to their heart's content how exactly my story went. So that's why I wrote the book. And, and so you said it took three years to write, or you yeah. started writing it three years ago. Right. Uh, it recently came out. Uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about, you know, any surprises as to, you know, what, what it's been like putting a book out there and has it led to more clients? Has it been able to, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, wow. The, I, what I think is most interesting is that I had to learn a lot about the business side of writing a book. So first, the first hurdle was, could I even write this manuscript, right? And so I didn't tell anyone I was writing the book for the whole first year because I was like, I don't know if I can really finish the job here. You know, so I was like kind of secretly writing it, didn't really tell any people. But then once I had a draft that I showed to a close friend and colleague and asked her like do you think this is viable and she's like yeah this is really good like this needs to be a thing like only after that that I start to tell people like oh I've been writing this book so so first there was that hurdle like convincing myself that I I could see this thing through to the end but then after that things started getting really interesting because I had to decide was I going to try to traditionally publish this book or was I going to try to self-publish this book um how was I actually going to sell the thing <laughs> Uh, you know, like a lot of us in our business, like we're good at our craft, we're good at what we do, but the marketing and all of that type of thing is what we're not necessarily trained on, or we have lots of blocks around and that can keep a really valuable business from growing to like a sustainable 
level, you know, so it's kind of the same idea as that, but like shrunk and smaller to be about a book. And I, I feel like it's very similar for a podcast too, you know? So I just, I like grappled with the whole traditional versus self-publishing thing for like a year. I really dragged my feet on it. And then I ultimately decided it made much more business sense for me to self-publish. So I would say that was the most unexpected part of this journey is having to figure that out and, and make that decision and then sort of like stand by it, even though people were like raising an eyebrow at what I was doing. While growing coaching yeah. business. <laughs> right. I know. Like this is only one aspect of what I was doing. Right. And I didn't answer your part about like, has it brought more clients and things like that? Um, it, the, my client base and like community and I guess reach or whatever has continued to grow. I'm grateful on like multiple different platforms and ways and whatnot. A lot, I think a lot of people are like, oh, my friend told me to follow you. Or like, I think a lot happens that way, but certainly also podcast listeners. Um, but what has been a major game changer having the book is like a, a lot of people give me a lot more cred because I now am an author, which is sort of weird to me because I'm like, I'm the same person I was a year ago, <laughs> you know, but like people really have a lot of respect uh, seemingly, or they, they just, they just attribute a lot to being an author, even though I'm self-published too, you know? Um, so that's, that's been a little unexpected. And I think for, for speaking engagements and workshops and stuff like that, it's gotten me more people because I have a book as well. A workbook. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a hybrid book. It's cause it's both like my career change journey, like in a kind of a memoir format, but then alternating with very workbooky type, like interactive exercises in here. So, and I say in the intro, like to anybody who's reading it, like use it how it's best for you. You know, if you're a person that really likes story and like finds that very helpful for you to like see yourself reflected in story, then you might get more out of the memoir aspects. If you are really just like a workbook person, then maybe you only skip to the exercises. Like I, I'm fine with any of the above. Interesting. Okay. And so you mentioned transitioning into like wanting to do coaching, but correct me wrong. It kind of happened a little bit organically, like maybe totally. like a, a Facebook post or something yeah. like that. Uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about that one Facebook post or just the slow, yeah. organic, unexpected. Here yes, absolutely. It was not planned like this. A lot of people think that I jumped straight from being a public defender to doing this career coaching strategy work that I do now. And it's absolutely not the case. It was a total experiment, you know, harping back to the beginning of our conversation about the need to experiment and things. Uh, my first, the 1.0 of my business was to do nonprofit consulting. <laughs> and <clears throat> that didn't work out because I couldn't get any clients. <laughs> and I gave it like four to six months and I just could not even, it took me so much work to even get one unpaid pro bono project. So I was like, this isn't going to work for me. And I had to pivot. So that was, you know, the first uh, decision point after I had started my business. Then the second iteration of my business was doing mindfulness training. 
and so all these probably feel very random and like, what is happening? But that is exactly how life happens sometimes. So I, I want to be very upfront about it for people who do feel sort of like they're lost or like they're trying to get it perfect, air quotes, you know, on the first try. Like there is no perfect. The main thing is that you try something. <laughs> And you may fall on your face. You might feel like you're making a fool of yourself, but mostly just remember everybody is like self-involved and they're mostly focused on themselves. So they're not even thinking of you that much. So give, allow, hopefully that gives you some permission to simply try something. And then from there, I promise you, you'll be able to iterate. Like if that doesn't work out, it will show you the, the main thing that you need to tweak and change one thing that you have to add instead, something that is not working for you that you need to leave behind. You know, you're going to get all those answers, but you have to try something first, like throw a dart at the dartboard, you know? Then the Facebook post, yeah. So I did the mindfulness work for a while. It was working better, but there's still something missing. And it was that one-to-one -one component because I'm definitely an introvert. My like you know, uh, zone of genius or whatever they say is when I am talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. And when I was doing the mindfulness training, it was like large groups and I didn't feel like I was really having an impact. So I had the thought to put out on my personal Facebook page, which I'm rarely ever on and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about taking on a few clients in an individual coaching capacity. First session is free. Sign up here if you're interested. And that was literally basically all I had there. It was a very skeletal sign up page, you know, just name, email, phone number type of thing. And I got four people who were interested from that. And two ended up signing up. One is still a client this many years later. Um, I know against all odds, really. And so I was like, oh, this there's legs on this thing. Like I'm enjoying it. I feel like I'm making an impact. People are telling me they're getting value out of it. I really should listen to this. And so I, I just, you know, kept growing it from there, posted again, got another four interested clients, I think two again, of which signed up to work with me more short term. Uh, and then I had a very like strong referral system because I was like, if you tell a friend and they sign up for anything with me, even if it's just one session, like I'll give you back a free session. So that really helped <laughs> grow my business before I you know, had any sort of a presence in any online platform. Amazing. All right. Uh, we talked about a lot here. Um, is there anything else that you think that we missed in terms of something that really stands out that you tell your clients a lot or anything else that? Yeah. Well, something, a conversation I had on the phone with a colleague who does like financial planning and stuff just before this um, Carla Dickerson, if you're, if you're looking for a, a, someone to help you with your finances, look her up. Um, she was like asking me about the book and she was saying like, would you say this is a fair way to describe your book? Like it's to help people get out of their own way. And I hadn't thought about it in that way, but I think she's right. <laughs> it is a book that to whatever extent you are in your own way, it does help you get out of your own way. And it's primarily for women of color who are contemplating career change. But I've also heard from other readers who either aren't women of color or are not contemplating a career change who have said how valuable this book is in helping them stop and reflect and be intentional about how they're building their portfolio career. 
Amazing. All right, Cynthia. Well, thank you so much. Please let listeners know where they can find the book, find more of your work and stay in touch. Yeah, of course. Uh, so my website is embracechange.nyc and you can find tons of stuff on there. Obviously you can read about the book and order the book on there. It comes in different formats for different folks. Uh, audiobook is on my list of things to do, but not yet in existence. Uh, also, I've got a lot of free resources. I created a set of COVID-19 career guides for entre entrepreneurs, job seekers, and career changers. So those are for free download. You can find those on under the resources tab, along with other worksheets and things like that, blog posts. Um, and what else? I have a, a newsletter called The Trajectory, and folks can sign up for that there as well. I you know, share exclusive content and like special offers on there from time to time. And then if you're a social media person uh, on LinkedIn, the easiest way to find me is search my name, Cynthia Pong. Although like the little handle after the slash in slash thing is Embrace Change NYC. And on Instagram, I'm at Embrace Change NYC. So find me on those places. Let me know what questions you have. I love geeking out on any of the topics that we talked about today with David. So don't be a stranger. Amazing. Love that. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Really appreciate it. Thank you. This was great. Hey, friend. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Wanted to also let you know about my monthly newsletter called One Email Away, where I fundamentally believe that we are all one email away from new opportunities. And if there's a way that I could potentially help you to connect with other people, I would love to do that. So one email away, um, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. You can also see the one email away section, but just want to take this moment to say thank you for, for listening to this episode. Really excited for us to build and grow our portfolio careers together. 